to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a show that explores the intersection of security, technology, and humans. I spend 5 to 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts, which I then turn into a concise 15 to 30-minute summary and analysis. There's a summary episode every week, as well as standalone episodes that are either me sharing an idea on a topic or discussing one with a guest. The goal is twofold, to keep you up to date on the absolute latest in security and technology, and to explore ideas that hopefully give you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 230. Starting off security news, Ukraine has raided the home of and detained the hacker named Sanix, who tried to sell 773 million stolen email addresses and 21 million passwords. Carnegie Mellon found that between 45 and 60% of Twitter accounts discussing COVID-19 could be bots. Many of the accounts spreading myths or disinformation were created in February and have been amplifying bad information about the virus ever since. A number of companies are trying to make AR headsets that do facial recognition so they can sell them to law enforcement, first responders, retail, and other similar types of companies. I think this is extremely likely to happen just because it's so heavily desired by so many people. The question is just how dystopian or benevolent it'll end up being when it actually gets implemented. And I think the answer to that won't be one thing, it'll be many. There'll be many implementations, and they'll set at different places on that scale. 70% of all Chrome bugs are related to memory safety, according to Google's security team. A hacker group going after virtual currency is targeting game developers by installing malware called Pipemon that lets them gain access to development servers. They're using that access to modify the game itself, allowing them to acquire in-game currency, which they, of course, sell for real money. The U.S. press secretary displayed a check in front of the media that actually belonged to the president, and so people were able to see his full account and routing numbers. A grandmother in Europe has been posting pictures of her grandchildren against their and their parents' wishes, and they brought it up with the authorities, and now she's been ordered to delete the pictures under GDPR or face fines. U.S. Special Operations are looking into using AI to translate enemy language in real time. This is a pretty cool story. Basically, it takes forever to use linguists and parse all the content that's happening in a real situation. So they're trying to use AI to do it in real time. Google has turned on DNS over HTTP by default in Chrome. And a couple stories here about China. They are moving in on Hong Kong and establishing new rules, possibly ending much of its autonomy. And Taiwan has actually volunteered to help Hong Kong in this, which doesn't bode well for stability in the region. And China is also starting to use Cold War language in conversations about the U.S. because they're really upset with the U.S. blaming them for COVID-19. Advisories, there's a critical flaw in Cisco's call center in a box product. And breaches, 
people who had their data hacked in the EasyJet breach didn't just lose their credit card details. The attackers also got access to their travel itineraries, which reminds me a lot of the Chinese hacks on Equifax, OPM, and Marriott. Not saying it's actually China, but the more you know about someone, the easier it is to take action against them. And knowing you know, where they're going, where they're traveling to and from, is a great piece of that puzzle. Home Chef has lost 8 million records, and Thailand's largest cell phone network provider had a database of 8 billion DNS queries stolen, just sitting online with no password. And of course, that's a whole bunch of IP addresses that were asking for certain domains, which is a huge privacy issue. They tried to get around it by saying that there was no personally identifiable information in there, but it's just an extra step to connect that if someone was able to do so and they'd be able to get some pretty sensitive stuff. What someone searches for in their browser is uh, usually considered by people to be fairly intimate. Technology news. Facebook, along with many other tech companies, is saying a massive percentage of their workers will be transitioned to remote work permanently. Some more on this one later in another story. Joe Rogan, who probably has the most popular podcast in the world, 192 million downloads per month, supposedly, signed an exclusive podcasting deal with Spotify. He says it'll be the same exact show, but it won't be on YouTube or anywhere else anymore. Podcasting continues to evolve into a serious medium. And I saw a comment earlier today when I was checking the news to get ready for the show that basically said, Joe Rogan is like mainstream media at this point because his following is much bigger than like all the talking hands at CNN combined. It's completely insane how big his podcast is and a lot of others as well. Researchers from three different Melbourne universities achieved a new download speed of 44.2 terabits per second. And this is over normal fiber optic cables, not like some crazy new stuff. So could potentially use our existing infrastructure. Netflix is going to stop charging you if your account has been inactive for two years. This is unexpected and spectacular. Actually giving up money, doing the right thing. Magic Leap, after saying it was laying off a thousand employees earlier, now says they just raised $350 million more million. And it looks like their focus is definitely going to be on the corporate side, not the consumer side. AT&T will supposedly drop the 5G Evolution branding for its current 4G phones, which makes sense given the fact that their 4G phones are in fact 4G and not 5G, which is different than 4G. Can't believe they really did that in the first place. Bet the change will roll out right as actual 5G gets released, so people probably won't notice it just say 5G instead of 5GE. But now they've kind of spoiled that release since people will think they've already had it. Or a lot of people will. Human news. The U.S. birth rate has fallen to the lowest level in 35 years. And the teen birth rate actually peaked in 1991 and has fallen 73% since then. Dolphins are so upset about the lack of human contact that they've started bringing presents to shore in an attempt to get people to return. It's quite endearing. 
The next big threat to the economy could be people saving money. The savings rate jumped to 13.1%, which is the highest rate it's been since 1981. This is just in the last few months as, as people have been getting more conservative and freaked out about the pandemic, of course. Google evidently doesn't plan to go entirely remote, and Zuckerberg has said similar things about perhaps only half or so ending up being fully remote, but it's definitely going to be a drastic change. I think people are going to have the option, and a lot of people are still going to choose to go in. The University of California will stop using SAT and ACT tests for admission criteria because they believe they're biased against minorities. More on this later in Ideas, Trends, and Analysis coming up soon. And Masterclass just raised $100 million for celebrity-powered content, which they kind of already had that. I guess they're doubling down on it. And The Atlantic has laid off almost 20% of its staff. Ideas, Trends, and Analysis wrote an information security glossary of terms, which I basically combine all my different definitions of like events, incidents, alerts, uh, blue team, red team, green team, purple team, pen test, bounty, audit, vulnerability assessment, all those different things, combine them into one place. Enough people were basically asking about that. I finally said... Might as well just knock that out. So I did. Got an analysis of the 2020 Verizon DBIR report, which uh, short. It's like a 10-minute lesson. It's also on the podcast. You might have already heard it, actually. And got a question here, just a quick essay I wrote. Is China making a major strategy mistake by being so rude, basically? Just seems very strange that they're so forward-thinking and long-term thinking but they're kind of burning all their bridges with basically the entire world. And that seems like a major strategic error because they could just be nicer and still dig their hooks in and still be sort of conniving and cunning on the back end and, you know, still get the benefits, but get them for longer by kind of being dual-sided or two-faced. But in this case, you're clearly broadcasting to the world that you are an enemy which means you'll get a lot of gain in the beginning and people will start shutting their doors. They'll stop doing business with you. They'll start looking for alternatives to building their products in your country. So it seems like the strategy here would have to be them getting as much as possible, you know, stealing as much as possible, you know, doing espionage to get as much as possible and hoping that that little burst takes them through to be dominant. Uh, but that's a big gamble, and I don't think it's necessarily the right one. And uh, so another thought on the University of California doing the SAT and ACT thing, basically removing it as a test for admission. So I, I think this is idiotic because you need to do something to predict who will succeed in college. Otherwise, you end up clogging up the system with people who aren't prepared to succeed, and they will fail. In any such test that's used in place of standardized tests, like high school grades or whatever, will have mostly the same exact results. So what you're left with is either not testing at all 
or getting the same results from whatever test is used. What's not mentioned is that Asians are also minorities, but they score even higher than whites on these same tests. Why? Because they have superior work ethic when it comes to academics. The answer to getting bad test results is to determine and address root causes, not to stop testing. And actually, I mean, I could save the state many millions of dollars for a multi-year study and just provide the answer everyone already knows, which is high scores are correlated with study time. Asians study more. Asians get better scores. It's like magic. Whites don't study as much, and they get lower scores. It's amazing. This is not Nobel Prize research. And if you find groups that get really bad grades, really bad scores, you find groups that don't prioritize or aren't able to prioritize school or studying, and thus don't spend time doing it. This is not a mystery. It's simply uncomfortable because families that prioritize academics tend to be more affluent. So the connection is made between affluence and privilege when the actual connection is usually affluence and academic prioritization, academic self-discipline, and academic work ethic. It's absolutely true that it's a luxury to have a family that instills these things in somebody. But it's not the type of thing that you solve by letting everyone into the universities where they are extremely likely to fail. Or to put it another way, if poor people are bad at math, we have two options as a society. We can ban math because it's discriminatory against poor people, or we can address poverty. And California has just unfortunately decided to ban math. This is yet another well-meaning far-left policy that will end up hurting the exact people it's meant to help. As the public schools are flooded with people who aren't prepared to be there, those who prioritize academics will simply move to better, more exclusive options. And the result is as inevitable as it is obvious, i.e. rich and poor students moving even further apart in achievement than they already were. So, yeah, that's how I feel about that. I think it's extremely unfortunate that you have well-meaning policies that are actually going to do a lot of damage. All right. Remember how everyone hated open plan offices? Well, I think those are about to be even less popular now. When people head back to the office, people are going to be demanding more partitions and definitely not zero partitions. And got an argument here that book clubs should meet more often and discuss the book as a group as they read it instead of getting together at the end, which a lot of people won't finish the book. People won't be caught up. So wanted to ask the UL book club if this is something we should try. So I'm, I'm going to pose that to the group this weekend on Sunday when we do our book club. Updates. Currently reading two books right now. Data Loom by Stefan Few and Anna Karenina by Tolstoy. Super excited about the Tolstoy book, actually. I'm just astounded by the quality of his writing. It's like the most insightful look into human psychology that I've ever experienced through reading. The dialogue, the way he describes small gestures. He makes 
every interaction acutely realistic. If you've not read this book, you absolutely should. And I guess there's a reason it's considered the best work of literature of all time by a lot of people. And uh, the book club, as I said, is meeting this weekend, which is available to members of uh, Unsupervised Learning. And uh, I think we're actually going to select a book this time. We have not done that for like the last two to three meetings. We've just been catching up and talking about how we're dealing with the situation. But things are, I don't know, becoming more normal. So I think we're going to go ahead and get back on the reading train and select a book. And in the Slack channel, someone's already proposed a couple of good options. So we will pick that after our discussion on Sunday. Discovery. And I am aware that this is much better done in the newsletter. This section is definitely newsletter focused as opposed to podcast focused because I'm really just reading titles, but people often want to read the links or follow the link and, and find the content, right? But um, that's why the show is both a podcast and a newsletter. So this particular one is 2.30, which it means it's a even one, which means it's available to members. But um, yeah, the show notes and the newsletter are the same, and it is the same content as the podcast. It's just that in the podcast, I kind of elaborate a little more on things. So this week in Discovery, so I'm thinking about trying out one of these Helix mattresses. Um, currently have one from Parachute. I think that's the name of the company. It's quite good, but this Helix one is rated crazy. So I might try that. Calculus Made Easy. It's a PDF. It's pretty interesting. Got about halfway through it so far. Why OPSEC is for everyone, not just people with something to hide. The State of Facial Recognition Around the World. It's an infographic. So I also just posted on Twitter like an hour ago. Got a great collection of data visualizations. Wired's list of the best online mattresses, which I don't think that one was actually in the list, interestingly. Bespoke software and a simple RSS aggregator. How to manage an employee who's struggling to perform remotely. Uh, if you're a Reddit user, you can use this link, which I got here, to pull your whole ecosystem as RSS. So it's got like all your messages, your upvotes, your downvotes, your front page, all your subs, everything. Um, I'm actually going to do a, a post about how to get everything via RSS for Reddit. So I should post that soon. How to draw block diagrams. Why the Cessna is such a badass plane. Honeybees eat the leaves of plants to force them to flower. Thought that was a little dark, but kind of interesting. Reminded me of killing cubs to make a uh, female tiger want to mate. That's why it seemed a little disturbing to me, but interesting. Basically, if the plant is taking damage, it starts rejuvenating and generating flowers. So bees make it take damage. Scout Suite, a multi-cloud security auditing tool, and org mode. Organize your life in plain text. Recommendations. 
So we're all going to be spending a lot more time at home, likely for a long time. It just went through a major upgrade phase throughout the entire, well, my entire life really, but especially around the house and in a number of key areas in particular. Basically, my idea is that anything that you interface with often and that interacts with your senses regularly, you should consider doing a major upgrade on. And some examples are like your mattress, as I mentioned above, pillows, your webcam, your monitors, your TV, definitely go OLED if you can, your coffee setup, grinder, coffee, brewers, etc., your speaker system, key cooking utensils, etc. Basically, anything that's coming in through your senses, your eyes matter, sound, music, these are things that we enjoy, right? We, we enjoy watching things with our families. We enjoy listening to music. We enjoy listening to podcasts. Basically, all those things, upgrade those through better speakers, through better monitors, better visuals, you know, smell, sound, your sleep, your exercise. I didn't put that in the list. I should have. Basically, anything that is a magnifier to everything else in your life is worth upgrading. That's basically my thought on this. You spend so much time interacting with these items that you can magnify your efficiency or your happiness by upgrading them. And if you want specific recommendations for all these different things that I did, let me know. But uh, yeah, if you've been putting off upgrades, I recommend you consider maybe doing them now. It's a good time. And the aphorism for the week, Art, like life, should be free, since both are experimental. Art, like life, should be free, since both are experimental. George Santayana. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. I believe inserted ads are not just annoying, but that their business model is toxic to content creation. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it directly for just $5 a month or $50 a year, which is two months for free. UL members get the newsletter every week instead of just twice a month. They get access to the archives. They get access to the UL Slack community, where we share ideas and links about the topics we discuss here. And they also get access to the UL Book Club, where we pick a book a month and talk about it live as a group. To become a member, just head over to danielmisor.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much to everyone who's already done so. Each of you is participating in the direct model of creator support that is helping this show survive and grow. And I greatly appreciate you. We'll see you next time.